Good afternoon, my Bible Bible loving people, and welcome back to the Word Encounter. And so, uh, before we get started again, I just want to remind you that um, you know I hope you're reading along uh, for your own benefit and not just relying on me or anybody else to tell you what's in the Word, but actually do your own investigation. And so, uh, if you don't have a Bible and you have a smartphone, then you can go to the Google Play Store or to the uh, Apple Store, or whatever, and download a Bible and then uh, read along. And so I highly encourage you to do that. And with that, let's get started here. So we are in Exodus chapter 13, and um, we see that uh, <clears throat> uh, Moses, uh, the, the, the Israelites have left uh, Egypt after uh, uh, the plagues that the Lord sent to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh kept hardening his heart. And finally, after the plague of the firstborn, um, they kicked him out, said, get out of here. We don't, we don't want you around. You're bringing us bad luck, whatever, just go, go. And so they've left the land and they plundered Egypt when they left. And, um, and so we see here that, um, when they left Egypt in chapter 13, verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made, uh, the Israelites swear a solemn oath saying, God will certainly come to your aid. Then you must take my bones with you from this place. And so if you recall, Joseph had uh, made his son's promise that he would take, that they would not leave him in Egypt, that they would take him out and uh, take his bones out. And, and that's what they did. Now, <clears throat> it's interesting, some, some of the things that, that you think about in scripture. And uh, I have always, and this is not a, a general state or uh, this is not any anything that I can back up biblically, but when it comes to things like burials and cremations and whatnot, I've always said I never wanted to be cremated because I wanted my bones to exist. Because when the word talks about a resurrection of the bones and this, that, and other, to me, if your bones have been pulverized or, or burned or whatever, or turned into dust, then see, I want, I want the Lord to have an easy time to, to reconfigure me, assuming that we have bones in that reconfiguration. Anyway, um, as we go on, <clears throat> We see in chapter 14, in verse 4, um, that the Israelite, Israelites had left. But, no, let's go to verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, What have we done? We have released Israel from serving us. Verse 6. So he got his chariots ready and took his troops with him. In verse 7, he took 600 of the best chariots and all of the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officials in each one. The Lord hardened his heart, of Pharaoh, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out defiantly. And so the Israelites are marching out, and then Pharaoh and his officials say, Oh my God, we've lost our labor force. What have we done? We've lost our free labor force. What have we done? We have to go get them. And so uh, we see that, um, uh, where am I? The Lord hires her here. In verse 9, the Egypts, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his army, chased after them and caught up with them as they camped by the sea. And so they went after him, they caught up to him. Verse 10, uh, verse 10 as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. In verse 11, they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away 
to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? And so uh, Moses has led them out of slavery and they hit their first patch of adversity. And they said, what have you done? You've taken us out. Even though we were slaves, at least we knew what the situation was. And you're taking us out of that. Now, this has a, a ton of analogies to our lives. You know, uh, sometimes we get bound down by strongholds and other things, and they become very familiar to us. You know, things that we say we don't want to be in our lives. Uh, and then when we find a way or a person or, or a revelation to get out of that situation, now all of a sudden we kind of don't want to get rid of it. We kind of want to keep it close to vest because we know it. Even though we may know mentally it's not good for us, we still know it. I know this as opposed to this other thing that I don't know, even though this other thing is better for me. I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable with the thing that I do know. And so this is a condition of the human heart. We go on to um, verse 13, chapter 14. But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And so a lot of times when we're afflicted with things and we're not trusting in the Lord and the Lord is saying, trust in me, we can get rid of this and you'll never see it again. But you have to cooperate. You have to cooperate with me. You have to believe. And so we see, we drop down to verse 19. And the angel of God who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved in front of them and stood between, um, between them and the Egyptian army. It came between uh, the Egyptians and the Israelite forces. There was a cloud in darkness. It lit up the night, and neither group came near uh, the other all night. And so... The cloud is standing between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Now, the Israelites have to see this. So they have to know that the Lord is working for us, you would think, anyway. And in verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind uh, all that night and turned the sea into dry land so the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on the dry land with the waters uh, like a wall to them, on their right and to their left. So they're walking between pillars of water or water walls, if you will. And then we see in verse 23, the Egyptians set out in pursuit, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his uh, horsemen, and went through the sea after them. So they see them, they're going into the sea, even though they're on dry land as well at this point. Anyway, <clears throat> and so we drop down to verse 25. He caused their chariot wheels to serve, to swerve. And made, uh, made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And so the soldiers know that something isn't right here. We're fighting something we can't deal with. In verse 27, so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea returned to its normal depth while the Egyptians were trying to escape from it. The Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus uh, the entire army of Pharaoh uh, that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. And so they went after and said, oh, this, this is a mess. The Lord closed the waters and everybody drowned. 
And so in verse uh, 31, when Israel saw the great power that the Lord uh, used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and his servant Moses. And so the people witnessed this. They bowed down, they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses, or at least that's what they say at this point. We skip over to chapter 16. Um, we see that the um, after they had crossed over the sea, then on uh, verse 1, the entire Israelite community departed from Elam and came to the wilderness of sin. That's what the word says, the wilderness of sin. <laughs> I just find that to be interesting. In verse 2, it says, the entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole community die of hunger. So they witnessed all of these miracles by the Lord. They witnessed all the plagues. The plague of the firstborn, the frogs, the locusts, everything else. They witnessed him parting the sea, them walking through the sea. They actually participated, not just witnessed in it. And now they're grumbling. They, they still don't seem to have learned that the Lord is going to watch over for them. Uh, and so then in verse four, then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. So they were grumbling about food. So the Lord says, OK, I'm going to rain bread down from them for them. And this is what they'll do. Every day they're there to go out and they're to get this bread. And so, and so in verse 11, the Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight, you will eat meat. In the morning, you will eat bread until you are full. And so at twilight, you're going to eat meat. And in the morning, you're going to eat bread. And so, <clears throat> The Lord is going to you know, send them quail to eat and is going to give them bread from heaven on a daily basis. It's going to be a daily provision, not something that you gather up. But every day I'm going to supply it to you so that you know I am feeding you. That's essentially what God is telling them. And then in chapter 17, the people grumble again. And so in verse two, it says, so the people complain to Moses, give us water to drink. And so Moses gets exasperated. Why are you complaining to me? You know, and so in verse three, it says, but the people thirsted, um, thirsted there for water and grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you ever bring us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? In verse four, Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? In a little while, they'll stone me. So now Moses is getting exasperated with them. You know, they're exasperated with each other and, and, and nobody's really trusting in the Lord as far as I can tell. And so then uh, we go on in the verse five and the Lord uh, tells Moses, take the staff you stuck in the Nile uh, with your hand and go. I will go stand there in front of you uh, at the rock of Harib. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it and the people will drink. And so that's exactly what Moses did. He went out, he struck the rock with his staff and water came out and the people drank. And so it seems like the Lord is just continuously supplying evidence after evidence after evidence. I got you covered. But people just don't seem to be grasping that. Uh, in verse 8, we switch up a little bit. And what happens is uh, uh, at uh, Rephidim, I guess, Rephidim, uh, Amalek, who was a descendant from Esau, 
you know, came and fought against Israel. Uh, in verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. And so here we see that Joshua goes out. And in verse 11, while Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whatever, but whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. And so in verse 12, when Moses' hand grew heavy, they took the stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. In verse 13, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. And so we see that with help. When help came along, we see that uh, assistance for Moses as he held out his arms. He had Aaron on one side, her on the, on the other, holding his arms up. Because as long as his arms were up, they were prevailing. And they did that until the night. And they defeated Amalek and whatnot. And so what that tells us is that we can't do a lot of things on our own. We can't do some things on our own. We need help. We need assistance. And there's no shame in getting assistance. Sometimes we let pride affect what we're doing. And then we don't want other people to come along and assist us and, and help us out and, and this, that, and the other. Uh, and, and because we, there may be shame involved or other things. I don't know. But I do know this that we cannot have an island mentality, that we have to pursue this thing called life. We have to do so in a manner consistent with how we were created. And how we were created is to rely on assistance from others. And so the word says that, uh, that we are to get wise counsel in things. And that means that we can't do things on our own. You know, we can't have this island mentality where we just think, you know, me and the Lord is enough. That's not how we were created. And so we see here that um, even though Moses was the one speaking to the Lord, he needed assistance from his brother and his friend to hold his arms up in order to defeat the enemy. And so with that, I just thank you for joining me this, this afternoon, I should say. And uh, have a great day, rest of the day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.